Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. In our journey through St. Paul's epistle to Christians in the region of Galatia, the epistle to the Galatians, we introduce the concern which motivates him to write. The concern was that they had been affected by a distortion of the message of the good news. Certain people had come into their midst and corrupted the true message of the gospel with something that was not a gospel anymore. The alteration seems to have been minimal, a small addition, but in the light of truth and what really matters before God, this small alteration of the message actually nullified it. It made it not a gospel at all. So in the first few verses in chapter 1 of the epistle, um, he identifies it in a, in a general way that they had turned to a different gospel, which was not a gospel at all, but was the consequence of people wanting to trouble these early and young Christians who had come from pagan Gentile backgrounds to the living and true God, God who had been the God of Israel. So this distortion even probably born out of some passionate and zealous motivations, work toward nullifying and not nullifying the life-giving character of God's good news. God's good news is this. We are sinners whom God is inviting into an abiding and permanent relationship with Him, And that relationship is made possible through the forgiveness of our sins. God can forgive us our sins because Christ, the Son of God, has died for sinners on their behalf and atoned for their guilt and triumphed over death for their sake. And He is reconciling sinners to God through Himself, through His own work. So anything that takes away the centrality and the essence of the work of Christ as being total and complete and sufficient to justify a sinner, make a sinner right before God, takes away from the gospel. Paul is utterly sure of the correctness of this this fact, this statement, that the work of Christ is enough It is sufficient, it is necessary, it is perfect. He brings sinners to God. So this is the good news that the apostles went around the world proclaiming. It was meant for all people, not for Jews, but also for Gentiles, just as there is only one God, and He is the God of all people, irrespective of what nation, language, culture, society they belong to. 
And there's only one Savior, and He is the Savior for all people. So there are not many paths to God, but only a path of forgiveness through the means that God has provided, and Jesus Christ is the means set before God, even symbolically by His being hung on a cross in public display. And all who come to God through Him are forgiven and accepted and enter into a marvelous, wonderful, amazing relationship with the Creator that endures for ages into everlasting time. However, this message has been corrupted and distorted in the world from the very beginning of Christianity. This has been corrupted and distorted even in circles where people identify themselves as Christians. Shall we go one step more? <clears throat> the simplicity of the message and the, the utter focus on the righteousness that comes to us through Christ has been corrupted and distorted even by gospel-preaching churches who tend to view multiple standards and classes of righteousness and want to add their own external practices of certain habits and modes and manners as somehow giving a better status before God than what the blood of Christ accomplishes for our sake. But we will come to that later. In chapter 1, in verse 8 of Galatians, Paul tells us that the message of the gospel that he proclaimed in his ministry was unsubstitutable, unchangeable, unalterable. Even if he, with Barnabas, who was his companion on the first missionary journey, were to come and say a different message, that would not be correct. The authority of the message comes not from him, nor, not from the proclaimer, but from the ultimate source of it, which was God himself. So here he, hypothetically speaking, rhetorically speaking, in verse 8 says, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. The gospel is the life-giving message of God. It transforms us, lifts us out of our death in sin and brings us into the realm of life and light in God. This message should not be corrupted. It should not be changed. Salvation is in Christ. Christ saves sinners. He did all that is necessary for justifying us, making us right before God. If anyone should change this to any degree, that is an unpardonable error that leaves people still in their sin and heading toward an eternity apart from God that is worthy of being cursed. So here, sort of hyperbolically speaking, hypothetically speaking, Paul says, even if we are to change the message that we have formerly proclaimed, if an angel, or one appearing like an angel, there are many like that in the world today, they don the appearances of angels, speak in words of extreme charity, but their heart is away from God and their message is contrary to the truth of God. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to your gospel 
other than, contrary to the one that we preached to you, he says, let him be accursed. And he repeats a statement, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. What this tells me and tells you is that the purity of the message of the gospel in its utter simplicity is of the utmost importance. We should guard both ourselves and the people of God against the corruption of the message because any such corruption receives the utmost condemnation. It is like a life-giving elixir being poisoned with something deadly. It is the life-sustaining air and oxygen having carbon monoxide or cyanide gas mixed with it. The gospel should be kept pure and true and simple because it is the message that we have from God himself. In fact, the varying opinions about what is the truth owe their variety to human opinion. It is based on our opinions that we change or configure the message of religion. Apostle Paul, Paul the Apostle, is very careful in this regard that he will only teach what he has received from God. The message of the gospel is not ultimately his own innovation, but something that he received by revelation. His commitment above all things is to God who called him. His loyalty is to Christ who commissioned him as his emissary in order to preserve and to present the truth that proclaims Jesus as the Savior. So in verse 10 of the chapter, he says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Whenever we are tempted to compromise the truth, whenever we understand Scripture to be saying one thing, but we would like to tweak it in some other direction, this question should be asked, Who am I trying to please? It is a very important fact concerning the preaching of God's Word and the teaching of God's Word, that one undertakes it as a representative of and on behalf of God Himself. The message proclaimed in the name of God ought to be the truth of God. Ultimately, every Christian, every believer, every human being, man and woman, is a servant of God accountable to God. If you are a believer, you acknowledge this. If you are not a believer, a day will come when you come face to face with this reality that we are accountable to God. So, St. Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul has as his prime motivation in life as he lives as a servant of God, carrying out the work of God, that God should approve of him. That's the only thing that matters. In the long run, everything else fades into oblivion. All of the accolades of people, the approval of men, the appreciation of the things we have said and done, all of these fade, becoming irrelevant 
And the only thing that remains significant and relevant is, what does God think of you? What does God think of me? How does God approve my life? How does God approve my teaching? And the only way then to be approved by God is for our conduct, our words, our behavior, our teaching to conform as closely as possible to what God has revealed in His Word. So even in regard to the Gospel, Paul finds this to be important. I must not distort the Gospel. I must preach the Gospel in such a way that my energy and focus is to please the one who called me and commissioned me, Jesus Christ and God the Father. I mustn't try to please man. This is different from saying we should be offensive to people in our dealings with them. Not at all. But I must not change the truth and alter it and tweak it to get the approval of those who do not fear God. Paul says it this way, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. There is an antithesis between the will of God and the, and the will of man. Only when our own wills align themselves with that of our Creator would there be harmony, and then we do not have to worry about whom we please. But this is not the normal situation in the world. We have our ways, which often are at variance with that of God. So we should try to please God and to be servants of Christ. This is the overriding principle of Paul's activity, life, and ministry. He himself was the preacher of the gospel, but he finds himself unable to change it because what he had proclaimed before was received from God. No man can change it. No angel can change it. No human authority can change it. No amount of prestige on earth can change it. Because ultimately, God stands above all of this as all in all and the source of all power and life and goodness. And we should above all seek to please Him. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partner.